The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm over to have your host. Division rounds are over. Four teams remain. Bengals made it. Reach's tree is still up. Joining me, a very fired up Ryan Wilson and uh, a very uh, you know, cleanly cut John Breach, who's excited for his Bengals. What's up, guys? Are you cleanly cut, Breach? You look about normal, except that uh, your hair looks a little better. Like you maybe brush it slightly after that crazy game. This I do it up for Bengals games. Bengals Sunday. You know, like some, some people wear their Sunday's best at church. I do. Do my hair up on Sundays for Bengals games. That's my good luck charm. And my Christmas tree still up. This is a fantastic Sunday. I'm ready to roll. As RJ Ridge notes, we're basically on time. Starting right at 10 o'clock. Pretty fantastic for uh, to get these, these uh, early start times for these podcasts as opposed to you know most Sunday nights when we have a late Sunday night football. Um, we'll start with the 49ers and the Cowboys. And then we'll get to Breach's Bengals after the break. <laughs> like I know that like the play I hate, I hate to like linger on the final play of the game because it um they, they weren't gonna you know they they were 70 yards away they weren't gonna score right uh but my goodness it was the funniest thing I've ever seen Dak like Dak Prescott getting a snap from Zeke Elliott throwing to Kayvon Turpin and then just everybody getting leveled for the Cowboys and, 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 and like you never see a lateral play end in like just immediately they always get like one it, lateral you off. never see a lateral play fail before a lateral actually right. gets lateral and it's like who designs these end of game plays for the cowboys we saw how it ended last year with the qb draw we saw how it ended this year and again they weren't going to score that it really doesn't matter just that the, the call was so ridiculous uh that it's it just that really epitomized really the game i had a uh, quote that i wrote down at the end of this game uh, after that last play, which looked like something that you would draw up at a Thanksgiving get together with your family when you 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 know knew that you were going to lose, uh, tell me if you know the movie. Just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, dumb and dumber, you go out and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. I mean, <laughs> that last play a year ago, we <laughs> talked about that for months, and then the the comeback was to have Zeke Elliott play center, 
get absolutely steamrolled when he snapped the ball and then throw a short pass that gets tackled for a five or six yard game. Like, well, what are you I, doing? I, I need to go back and look at it, but like, so Zeke was, you know, it was like that Colt, that famous Colts punt where they had nobody out there, but was, was it all other skill position guys out there? Was it was at least that's the theory is like, let's get our fastest guys out there for the crazy lateral play. And so I hope something weird happens. I mean, cause it, he didn't like, he didn't line up the offensive. Cause you have to, I don't think like legally speaking, he can just like put one lineman out there. Right. No, you have to have seven guys on line of scrimmage. So it just doesn't matter where they are, but right. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you can lateral to anybody. You just can't throw the pass to anybody. Correct. So you can only have five eligibles, but um, I don't know what the plan was. Well, and that was their thinking, though, is that you put your your ten fastest guys and Dak Prescott, and it doesn't matter that Zeke is snapping it because he's not getting the pass. He's eligible. Yeah, he's eligible to get the lateral, and that's all that matters, something like that. Um, all right. Anyway, like that game, that play didn't decide the game. Well, you know what? I will say what that play didn't relate it to the rest of the game is that uh, Cavante Turpin got crushed and destroyed on that play because Dak Prescott threw it right, like led him into the defender. The defender came up and made an easy play and it was Dak Prescott's fault. You could really argue they lost this game. Yeah. I, Wait, I, for that throw or for something else? That no, is, no, for just the whole game, the whole oh, game. Yeah, no, I agree. That interceptions, uh, just, you know, he definitely had a couple good throws, but it was the, the whole playoffs, the whole past month. We've been saying, Hey, Dak turns the ball over all the time. Uh, he fooled me. I fell for it against the Buccaneers. I said, man, he didn't turn the ball over at all against Tampa Bay. If he does that against San Francisco, doesn't turn the ball over. I think Dallas can win. And then the old Dak comes out and throws two interceptions. The 49ers get six points out of that. And really, uh, I mean, is that even was, old Dak or is that just regular Dak? Uh, it's probably regular Dak. Oh, yeah. no old Dak. I, I think it's, I think it's like not Dak against Minnesota. That's all it is. Because, um, they talked about this on the telecast. Against pressure, Dak Prescott has done more interceptions than any other person on planet Earth. He had 10 this season. And right when they said that late in the game, he almost threw an interception on the first, I think the first throw of the the last drive there on just a little turnaround 10-yard pass that was late. He threw a lot late. He missed a lot of throws down the field, either under throw or just missed the, the target he was trying to hit. I don't know. And, you know, Billy said this before the pod. Dak seems to get cut a lot of slack, and I think that's right. I don't know if people are focused on Jerry Jones or Mike McCarthy or, you know, the fact that he's on all these commercials and he, he smiles and says all the right things, but mm, he, Brock, Brock Purdy wasn't lights out. Brock Purdy outplayed him. But yeah, Brock Purdy's a rookie. Dak is a $40 million quarterback. Like, Dak is, Dak has had a lot of highs and lows this year. You know, you're not going to, he's so, he's above, you know, the, the late Chris Wesson came up with the Andy, you know, the, the Dalton line, right? Where it's, I mean, he's above that. It's just like, he he does some really dumb stuff. It, it feels like almost every Cowboys quarterback always does some like dumb stuff. Like they're a manifestation of Jerry, Jerry Jones or who are the other ones? I can't recall any in the past. Oh, but, you're talking about Romo or something. I didn't know who you meant. In particular. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, mean, I, I think Romo is a great quarterback, but I mean, like he would always just have, no, these, he was a gunslinger for sure. Yeah. I thought, I thought you meant like, you know, um, one of the backups that came in for, or Andy. No, 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 or no, I just didn't want to drag our, our colleague through. Uh, they haven't been to the NFC Championship game since 95, 12 and 5 the last two years. Um, any chance that Mike McCarthy is in trouble? I don't think so. It felt like up until that last play, he was fine, but that last play to me said, I dare you, I dare you to fire me. <laughs> sort of like a Brandon Staley like taking a last year. stand, Game of Thrones styles, uh, style. But Jerry's been committed to him. I don't think he's going to fire him. And at the end of the day, I would imagine that play probably worked every time in practice. Unfortunately, <laughs> the 49ers have a pretty good defense and they, they weren't going to fall for that. Yeah. Tend to agree with that. Um, Tony Pollard got hurt in the game. It felt like Dallas' mm-hmm. offense completely stagnated once that happened. Zeke is just, man, he is not it right now. 
Dalton Schultz uh, and, and Pollard both are free agents after this offseason. We don't linger on, on Dallas too, too long just because they, they lost the game. They're done. But, you know, it's – yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Giants look like they're improving rapidly. The Eagles have a really nice foundational base uh, to keep playing good football over the next few years with Jalen Hurts there and a bunch of uh, studs along the lines and, and some really uh, good skill guys. Like, I don't know. The Cowboys are just sort of – have been stuck in this, like like – like middling mall for, a, I don't know, like 22 years. It doesn't feel like they're going to advance out of it anytime soon. Well, I mean, the graphic, if you're watching YouTube, finished 12 and five in back-to-back seasons. We give, again, we give Dak a lot of, cut him a lot of slack. Mike McCarthy, we give a lot of crap to, but they did go 12 and five in back-to-back seasons. Now they're not winning playoff games. I don't disagree with that. And they sort of feel like uh, the original current Minnesota Vikings in that, you know, their lights out and then things fall apart in January. But I mean, they're not the, the bears or the lions either. Yeah, and, and, you know, look, we've all noted that this Zeke Elliott contract was kind of ridiculous. The Cowboys should have never given it to him. Uh, but guess what? They have an out, you know, after this season. This, this Cowboys season's over. Now they can get out of that Zeke Elliott contract. And now you that opens up salary cap room, and you can go do smart things instead of giving uh, a ton of money to a run instead of giving $90 million to a running back. So I don't think that the Cowboys are in terrible shape. I mean, you guys just – we talked about this a lot last night. I still think – the Eagles are probably in the best shape of any team in the NFC East. Uh, and not, certainly the Giants are on the rise. But again, the Cowboys are coming off two 12 and 5 seasons. And it's not like they're losing their core players. They might lose Zeke Elliott. But besides that, uh, you know, they're going to have some money and they should be able to add to their team. So I don't think they're in, horrible, in a horrible spot. Let me ask you this, Breach. How do you feel about their quarterback? I mean, you guys mentioned the Andy Dalton scale. He's better than Andy Dalton, but like there's the Kirk Cousins scale now where it feels like you have a quarterback that's certainly good enough to get you to the divisional round, but it does feel like the Dax ceiling is not a Super Bowl. Maybe he eventually gets them to an NFC title game, and and that's the tease with him is that, you know, Andy Dalton couldn't win a playoff game. I do think Dak can win you playoff games, but I don't think he's winning you a Super Bowl. So I guess I don't know what you do if you're the Cowboys. You're just in the do we go and, and hope we can find someone better or do, or do we just ride it out with Dak and hope he can win it for us? He's 29. You're not going anywhere for a while. Would you rather have Dak uh, on this football team, Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins? Dak Prescott. I don't know if I would answer that quickly. I, I just don't know. <laughs> I would think about Dak or I would think about Kirk. I'm not I, <laughs> It's a half a dozen. Of one it's, it's closer than Brenton made it sound. I, I mean, I just, I mean, I knew, I knew when he said Kirk Cousins, I just, I mean, I, just, I would rather have Dak. And uh, real quick on Dak, uh, including the two first-half interceptions wow. today, he threw 14 first-half interceptions during the season, and no other NFL quarterback even threw 10. And keep in mind that Dak missed five games. So he led the NFL in first-half interceptions by five and missed five games. And the two interceptions, I know one popped up off of um, a defender's head, but it was like he was basically, you know, it hit him. It was going to be picked by him, and somebody else picked it because it popped up. Were really bad throws by Dak. And I think you know, you look at this Cowboys' last eight games as playoff underdogs. They have are zero and eight. Last time they won a game as a playoff underdog was the nineteen ninety two NFC Championship against the Niners. With all those picks in the regular season, with these picks in the playoffs, I know he played great against Minnesota. Minnesota's defense was awful, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, they weren't good. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, I think to me, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not blaming Dak's performance on. Mike McCarthy, but if I'm Jerry Jones and I'm at his age and Sean Payton is this former, you know, this Super Bowl winning coach who's, you know, a you know, quarterback guru who was on my staff before, 
who has made it like clear that he would be, you know, it seems to me he's made it clear he either wants Dallas or, or the Chargers job. Um, I, yeah, I meant Tampa, not, not Minnesota. Sorry, I blacked out. Um, the, uh, I, the, um, I think that for me, I would probably be looking at going to try and get Sean Payton if I was Jerry Jones. Now, I don't know that he's necessarily going to do it. I just think you could talk Sean Payton into coming into Dallas and you would maybe get a better performance from Dak Prescott if you had Sean Payton. I'll just say, I don't, I'm not, I can't believe I'm going to say this other than the last two calls of the season for the Cowboys the last two years. Mike McCarthy has been fine. He's been a little more aggressive. He's done some things that are leave you scratching your head, but he's probably middle of the road in terms of just coaching in general. Um, just from, you know, uh, watching uh, generally on Sunday's point of view. You mentioned Sean Payton getting over the hump. But again, Sean Payton played with Andy Dalton, you know, reaches dude. And, and then last year they had Jameis Winston, who played the best of his career. Now, obviously, Doc, Dak is better than both those guys put together. But how much more are you getting from Dak when Sean Payton shows up? Who, by the way, as we, you know, we have to point out, he went seven to nine, three straight seasons in New Orleans. So it wasn't like he he's going to come in and win 15 games automatically. That's I mean, all I'm I saying. I think it would be an upgrade. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily think that Jerry Jones will do it. I would do it if it was possible to pull off. That's all I'm saying. Breach, Sean Payton, McCarthy. Well, I just think that if you're Jerry Jones and you are of the mindset that hey, I am in my twilight years. I'm 80 years old. I want to see this team win a Super Bowl before I die. And maybe he lives to be 90. Maybe he lives to be 100. We don't know. But you know, maybe he lives you, forever. Maybe he lives forever. He has the money. But the thing is, you have to start thinking about making some big, crazy moves and hiring Sean Payton, I think, will qualify as a big, crazy move. But again, man, if you hire Payton and he only wins 10 games next year, then, you know, it's it's then you look silly for hiring Mark McCarthy. So it's not an easy move to make. Uh, so I understand why Jerry Jones may feel like he's in a quandary or why he feels like he shouldn't move on from Mike McCarthy because, uh, you know, we we talk about all the time about the lines moved on from Jim Caldwell again different franchises and Caldwell worked a miracle by getting making the Lions good and they shouldn't have moved on. What did and, he do though? Nine and seven back to back years. Is that what you're gonna say? Yes, nine and seven in back to back years, and he should not have been let go. And so you know you don't want to be Jerry Jones regretting that you let go Mike McCarthy who who wins you twelve games two years in a row. Someone mentioned this in the comments. What about this? As a instead of Sean Payton, what about if you move heaven and earth to get Lamar? I, I mean, I think you're just you, you paid Dak. You're 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 rolling. I mean, what if you trade Dak? Like, what if Lamar says, "I'm not playing in Baltimore." You trade Dak to Baltimore, and then you give him whatever they want. I, I just don't. You have to give him two. You give him like an, an extra first round pick, and like take, there's a bunch of money. The money stuff in the, the. I mean, I know what you're saying. I, I don't. Are you giving up a first round pick if you want Sean Payton? Ooh. And he can't. Well, he can throw the football. He played quarterback, but I don't think he want him playing quarterback. I yeah. Let's move on to the 49ers. They won the game. Brock Purdy. I thought I thought Dallas's defense, by the way, played really well in this game. Um, sort of wore down late, but the defensive, like the defense, came 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 out hot. Like you know, hey, we're hammer hitting them like crazy. The pass rush was getting home. Tons of pressure on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy could have thrown three picks in this game if Dallas had held onto the picks. You know, maybe it's an entirely different game. Um, oh, by the way, on we should point out on Dallas too. Brett, Brett Mayer bounced back. Not that he has to kick again for the rest of the year, but two field goals made. That blocked extra point that was good. It was definitely going to miss was something else. And then he banged down the field goal. So that was kind of fun. Um, San Francisco kind of got it going after a slow start. I thought Purdy, I thought Purdy made some really good plays. You know, it, it's, it's weird because um, the way that Purdy 
has been built up as this quarterback over the course of this stretch where they've you know won, I think now 12 games in a row or 13 games in a row. It was, you know, it's like people are like, is Brock pretty good? Like, do, do we know? Well, I mean, he he's really good for the last pick of the draft, who's a rookie. And in this situation against a against a stout defense, I know that he made mistakes. But for a guy of his pedigree and in a rookie season to play like that. I thought it was really, really impressive, especially after sort of a slow, shaky start where there was a bunch of pressure on him. Thought he made some, thought he made some big plays. Um, will be the fifth rookie to start a conference championship game. Mark Sanchez in 09, the last one. Joe Flacco in 08. Big Ben in 04. Sean King in 1999. All four of those lost with a combined four passing touchdowns and nine interceptions. Of course, um, we will not see Brock Purdy as a favorite. He's a two-point dog early on at Philadelphia. What do you think of Brock Purdy's performance, Wilson? No, I think you hit it on the head. I actually made a note right before the Christian McCaffrey touchdown on that drive. He he made some throws that you're like, okay, you're trying to do too much, which is sort of the knock on him coming out of Iowa State his final year there. And you saw at times where early in the game, Shanahan was, you know, sort of like, all right, just do what I'm asking you to do. Don't be don't be doing trying to do too much. And I'm fine giving him a pass on that though. As you point out, he's a rookie. He hasn't played a ton. He wasn't expected to play at all. We didn't know he's going to make the, the freaking team back in August. So all this stuff is, you know, gravy, uh, given where they are. And <laughs> part of me wonders, Breach, if this sort of waters down what Garoppolo accomplished a year ago. Because, you know, we were all like, oh, my God, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get paid. And then the Trey Lance thing happened um, in terms of him being the starter this year. And I think it's more of a function of anyone can play in the system and, and be pretty good. Now that doesn't bode well for, for Trey Lance, perhaps so that's a conversation for another time, but you know, hats off to Brock Purdy for, for taking care of business. And he still made some big throws and he made much bigger throws in terms of completing them than, than Dak Prescott did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it might add insult to injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to go in, out and try to get a $35 million contract in March and teams are like, huh, uh, that Brock Purdy dude put up better numbers than you in Shanahan system. So, you know, we don't know how good you really are. Uh, until we see you thrive outside that system. But yeah, I, you know, Brock Purdy, and I will say I've been since the end of the season, I said I wasn't going to pick the 49ers to win the Super Bowl because they have a rookie starting quarterback. And I really feel like Shanahan uh, feels the same way about rookie quarterbacks, that we are not putting this game on his shoulders. I'm going to put as much as I can on uh, Christian McCaffrey or Elijah Mitchell or, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask him to do too much. And I do think Brock Purdy made probably three or four good throws. I don't think he played a great game. But the thing is, the 49ers are so good, they can win without him playing a great game. You know, like it, the Bills, for instance, if Josh Allen does not play a great <laughs> game, they're just they're in trouble. But Brock Purdy doesn't play a great game. Uh, the 49ers defense will hold the other team to under two touchdowns. And you can just throw shovel passes to Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey uh, get the ball to George Kittle. There are just so many weapons that it's really unbelievable. So I think the fact that they are going to the conference title game says a lot. Um, he could have absolutely cracked under the pressure. He has not. He has, has looked decent. And that's all you can ask when you are dealing with the final pick in the NFL draft. You have a Mr. Relevant running the show, and he's got you the conference title game. That says something. So I, I really think that says a lot about Shanahan, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it, you know, again, we go back to people like, well, he's in the Shanahan system. That's why he's winning. It's like, well, you know, yes, Kyle Shanahan makes it easier for quarterbacks because he gives them lots of open looks. He gives them lots of, you know, very quickly designed plays. 
and you let your you trust your. That's why you go and trade for Christian McCaffrey. It's why you sign Debo Samuel. You let your playmakers make big plays for you near the line of scrimmage. That's perfectly fine. You know, we talked about the Mike McDaniel offense in Miami and how it would potentially help to a to a of Valoa thrive by getting the ball to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in space and allowing them to explode and pick up yards after the catch. Well, that's the same thing they're doing with like Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, like ripping on you know Brock Purdy for. Given that he was the last pick of the draft, that he's a rookie, that he's been doing all this for so long, like the guy makes good decisions. He makes them quickly. Now, could he have been picked off a couple times? Yeah. Cowboys got to execute better. Cowboys had some sloppy penalties too. That gave and some 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 mistakes that helped San Francisco move the ball. Um, it felt like at the in the it felt like there was another quarter of that game, and obviously that's not a you know, hypothetical we live in. That the Niners could have like really gotten the run game going. You know, that last drive where they, you know, they ended up settling for a field goal, but it's like an eight-minute drive just taking the air out of the ball, eating up clock. And if Elijah Mitchell doesn't go out of bounds, you know, they, they obviously don't even have to punt there. Um, it's just it's just a team that if they get downhill on you, they can really put you in non-advantageous positions. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, and he's been good about that, even if he's getting lucky some, uh, the Niners look like a really good football team. The Lions currently, double-check Caesars. I see Eagles minus two, which is a little bit off of what Billy predicted, but that's okay. Mm. You have Eagles minus two over under 45 and a half, San Francisco at Philadelphia. I would lean towards the 49ers personally. Mm. These are two great games on next Sunday for Conference Championship Sunday. I think think I lean towards the Eagles right now. Eagles defense is better than the Cowboys, which, as you pointed out, actually played really well. And the Eagles offense is better than the Cowboys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just by virtue of not having Eagles are the Cowboys for sure. Well, right, and the Sportsnet struggled with the Cowboys. So, yeah. don't you have an Eagles future? I got a San Francisco future too. Well, uh, Billy, that's how you know Brinson. Okay, okay. I didn't. I thought you. Had, oh, I thought you only had. A I, got, I got. I got three of the four teams. I got. Uh, I have only three Super Bowl futures this year. No, four. I have the Ravens too. Uh, three of my four Super Bowl futures are the uh, three of the four final teams. Pretty excited about that. Bengals plus either one of these teams, I'm making good money in the Super Bowl. To answer your question. Um, so on, anything else on the Niners before we take a break? Breach, let me ask you quickly. I wrote this down uh, after our poor dude, Mar, Mar, missed that that extra point to start things. And he missed it so poor. I mean, he got blocked, but he missed it. It was going left anyway, it looked like on the replay. How rare is it to get an extra point blocked from 33 yards? Because when you're talking about a 50 or 55 yard, you're trying to drive the ball. Like an extra point is virtually for these guys a chip shot. So the ball should be going straight up. So do you, is it more mental? Than anything because that that was a bad miss. Oh, that was a completely mental kick. Because I mean, they showed a great replay on Fox that showed this thing was going to miss left by thirty yards. I mean, he just it looked like he hit it halfway up his ankle. It was just a horrible kick. The guy on the left side of the line who didn't break through at all should not have blocked that kick uh, unless <laughs> it was a bad kick. And so you know that was it was a weird thing because again that, up to that point now he's missed six of his past seven extra points. And, uh, you know, good on McCarthy for having faith in this guy to kick a field goal because you do. If you're going to if, if your decision was, hey, this is our kicker for today, then you have to trust him to be your kicker for today and be comfortable sending him out there for field goals. Now, if he goes and misses one, that's different. You can change your mind. Uh, but, you know, he, he redeemed himself with two field goals. And, you know, thankfully for the Cowboys, that extra point did not make a huge difference. You watch on YouTube. You can see mm. the clip where it's mm. just I mean, it is going Left, it's sure, sideways or sure, sure, duck hook. You want end over end rotation, and this thing <laughs> is sideways. Yeah, it's it, so it, it was just a, a, an ugly kick. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, that didn't end up impacting how the game played out really. 
Um, no, Dak was although much more maybe. I mean, it, I guess you could say it did. If you know, when the the Cowboys tied at nine nine, that it would have been ten nine, and maybe things are different because the 49ers are playing from behind or how they uh, carry themselves. But yeah, so if you're Brett Maher, you just take a sigh of relief. You're probably <laughs> not going back to the Cowboys next season. You're calling your agent and you say, all right, that should be good enough to at least get me a tryout with another team. He's uh, missing one of those two field goals and probably both of them if he, if he, if he, if he, if that extra point isn't blocked. Right. And it misses by that far. And the other <laughs> thing I will say about Maher is with those two field goals, uh, he ended the season with 12 straight made field goals. So the guy can't make an extra point, but hit 12 consecutive field goals in the season. Tough. And since we're shouting out kickers, Robbie Gold uh, hit four field goals. It is now 29 of 29 in his playoff career. The guy has never missed in the playoffs. That's insane. Uh, Evan McPherson's number two on that list, I think, was 17. So Robbie Gold has 12 more made field goals than any other kicker in NFL history who has made all of their field goals in the playoffs. So Robbie Gold with a phenomenal game. Yeah, to be clear, no one is blaming uh, Maher for the for for costing the game, or but you know uh, Robbie Gold certainly helped the 49ers win the game. I, by the way, the 49ers defense came out of the gates hot too. Like I mean, that, like that pass rush is vicious, and those guys hit hard. They make plays on the ball. They're you know they're smart. Like the the play, um, the it was a I guess it's the next to last play where Dalton Schultz or no excuse me two uh, not the next to last play the the uh, second to last play Dalton Schultz catches the ball. And um, was the defender? Was it? Uh, was it Tre'Davious Ward, who comes in and hits him, and then points at the ref and is like, points like like the yelling like he's going backwards because you, the rule is you have to be going forwards like your your progress has to be going forwards out of bounds to stop the clock. Well, the way that he hit him, the way that the coaching like Demeco Ryan's unbelievable coaching there to have the, the state of the presence of mind to make sure that Dalton Schultz was not going out of bounds and it, it, it resulted in the clock running and another like ten seconds burned off. Well, and the thing on that one is that also Schultz, I don't think, thought that that was going to happen because I feel like he could have darted out of bounds and stopped the clock and it would save them about 15 seconds. And then you had the next play or uh, uh, you had the next play with Dalton Schultz where Schultz, I think, thought he assumed he caught it and went out of bounds, but he only got one foot down. And so that cost him whatever, 20 yards. So, I mean, it was just too... It was yeah. silly play after silly play on that last drive. So Dalton least. Schultz is the reason we can blame that final play where Zeke Elliott had to play center because otherwise the ball would have been <laughs> 20 yards further up the field. Yeah, it was a comedy of errors down the last. Yep. Dalton Schultz started some of them. I mean, Turpin caught the ball at the six-yard line on that final drive. I don't know why you're doing that. I mean, in terms of guys responsible for why they lost, I, I think that Mars is pretty low on the list. And, and McCarthy, by the way, Jerry Jones said after the game that Mike McCarthy's job is, I was about to say the same thing. Oh yeah, Dax. I, I mean, it's yeah, Dax, the one that's high on the list. Yeah, for for the blame or like I mean, he's not yeah. going anywhere. No, why they lost? Yeah, for sure. Reasons why they lost. Absolutely. Um, I just want to point out two uh, two incredible catches in this game. C.D. Lamb had the one where he skied up and like rotated over and and you know it almost hit the ground. Didn't even budge, even though it hit the ground. Just an elite level catch. C.D. Lamb stepped up in a big way for the Cowboys in this game, especially after they lost Tony Pollard and kept them in the game. And then, holy crap, George Kittle. The one where it's like, hits his hands off his face mask, up in the air, bouncing around. He grabs it, has a presence of mind to like dive to the left and avoid the big hit and then get up and do the like the funny like Michael Jordan tongue face. I mean, just, and then, and then later on, he even caught the sky came and did this weird like, like little look around. It, this, is, this is an unbelievable catch by George Kittle here. Um, and the 49ers, I, I do think that, you know, you look at this team and 
they are they're clutch, man. I mean, they they can kind of close out, and that's the Eagles are too. I think I think it's going to be a great game. I don't I don't know that you know Kittle Skittles. There you go. I don't know that. Um, I think it's one of those games where you can't definitively say. You know, like the Eagles are just going to roll the 49ers, or the 49ers are going to like clearly upset them. I, I think it's it's just two really good teams. It's the one and two seeds um, in in the in the in the conference. You're the one of the three seed on the other side. That's why the buy is so important, and it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be an awesome conference championship Sunday. Let's take a break. Breach can peacock about his Bengals next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Breach, your Bengals won, our Bengals won. Our Bengals? No. Brinson, I am driving like the Bengals motorcycle. You're in the sidecar, like eating cake and fruit roll-ups. I mean, but yes, I mean, it doesn't matter. Anybody can be on the Bengals bandwagon because this was an amazing win. I could barely even watch 49ers Cowboys. I was so excited and ecstatic about how this game played out. I mean, I think all three of us picked the Bengals to win. Uh, but I, I mean, even my wildest dreams, which let me tell you, get pretty wild. Yes. I did not think there was any way the Bengals would win this by more than two touchdowns. And and really, though, the first not. two possessions after those happened, it was just like, I don't know if the Bills are ever going to be able to stop them. And it felt, you know, they went up 14 nothing, and it felt just like they were going to coast to the win from there. And, and really, that's kind of what happened. But Joe Burrow just diced up the Bills defense, embarrassed him. I mean, he started 9-9 nine nine for 105 mm. yards, two touchdown passes. And when Burrow's playing like that, and, and you know, the, all the talk all week was, oh, the Bengals are down three offensive linemen. There's no way they can win. Burrow's going to get sacked six times. And my one argument to that all week was, look, the offensive line that played out there on Sunday was better than the one Burrow had last year. And, yes, you know, the offensive line was good this year. You never want to be down three starters, but Burroughs played behind a patchwork offensive line before. He knew what he was getting into. He was ready for this game. He was never going to let that be an issue. Uh, and so, you know, obviously Joe Burroughs playing. The fact that Joe Mixon was able to run the ball so well, what they did on offense, I mean, they embarrassed the Bills, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Well, one of the things that we talked about was the Bills' run defense being sort of unreliable in recent weeks in addition to Josh Allen not being Josh Allen and those things together to your point breach showed up early and often because primarily with, with the, the running the ball by the, the Bengals and Joe Mixon there. Um, but to your point, those first two drives, um, the Bengals had a hundred yards um, of offense. They had 160 yards in the first quarter. I mean, that, that tells you all you and need the to Bills know. Had eight. And the Bills had eight and something I wrote down that I wanted to ask you, cause I actually think that, that I, I know what the answer to this question is, but I'll ask you. 
is this Bengals team better than last year's Bengals team? Oh, absolutely. And maybe, uh, you know, the one thing about last year's playoff run is that it really was the defense that carried them, the defense that picked off Ryan Tannehill three times, pushed. Joe Burrow made huge plays in that game, but it, it was that it, the Kansas City Chiefs game, the AFC Championship, they picked off Patrick Mahomes in overtime. Uh, to kind of help preserve that. They made that huge play right before the end of the first half to keep Tyreek Hill out of the end zone. And so they just kept making huge plays and the offense wasn't putting up big numbers. And I think Bengals fans kind of kept asking themselves, what happens if both sides of the ball play well Mm -hmm. in a playoff game? And we finally found that out here is that you destroy the team that everybody thought was the preseason Super Bowl favorite. Uh, You know, I don't think anyone at halftime thought the Bills were going to come back and win this game. It was just, it really was unbelievable how well, they played on both sides of the ball. I mean, they they upset Stefan Diggs so badly that he stormed out of the locker room, was yelling at Josh Allen on the sideline. I mean, they had the Bills ready to fight themselves. And so uh, it, it was just remarkable how well the Bengals played. I like I can't even believe it. I, I am literally in shock at how much they dominated this game. They played so well that I think Zach, Zach Taylor might be a good coach. <laughs> By the way, I will give Zach Taylor props for this because last week Mike McDaniel screwed up the what he thought was going to be a first and 10. It was third and one. Didn't get the play in, and they had to go back five yards, and then Skylar Thompson didn't have a chance. Same thing happened at the goal line or close to the goal line. They got the playoff. There was He was pissed that they didn't reset it. I get it. But he's like, all right, well, I got to call the play. They call the play, and maybe the difference is having a quarterback like Joe Burrow. It doesn't matter. I give Zach Taylor credit for that. And look, man, he's been doing what he's supposed to be doing. So I, I can't complain about about what the, the, the results have been because, you know, hats off to him. I thought the really impressive thing about what the Bengals did, and, you know, we talked about this all week leading up to it, whether it was on this show or doing the pick show, I talked about on HQ. If the Bengals came out and tried to co- like cover up the offensive line issues by running the football, it was going to end poorly. And they didn't. They came out and put the ball in Joe Burrow's hand, and they let him do what he does in the snow those those receivers those receivers and like Hayden Hurst were running wide open. It was crazy. The Bills are, are a good defense. Um, and then once they got you know this lead, they were able to sort of lean into the run game. The Bills' run defense wasn't there. The Bills' pass rush wasn't there. The Bills' run game wasn't there, and the Bills' pass rush wasn't there. I thought Joe Mixon played an awesome game. He was so physical in the run game downhill and just kept the chains moving. They would pick up every – like it felt like they picked up every single uh, third down. I mean, obviously, it's probably more like 60%, uh, maybe even lower than that. Point being is, I mean, it was a oh, it was actually sixty percent of the dot. Come in, um, four hundred twelve yards of three twenty five, five point eight yards per play to five point two, and that number is actually skewed by the Bengals kind of melting out the clock. Thirty first downs to eighteen. This is a dominant ass kicking by the Bengals in Buffalo. Clearly, a chip on their shoulder about the whole you know no neutral site availability, the coin flip stuff. Like they have, and like you know we get I get these DMs from Colin Bear, like Bengals fan, like all Bengals fans are like believe that the NFL is treating them and I believe I mean I think the NFL kind of screwed them over the biggest fans think that like they're trying like the, the NFL is out to get them well I mean I wrote a whole story on it and and look there is no reason that the defending AFC champions should be able to go in a game with a chip on their shoulder because right. they're the disrespected underdog it, that never should work out but the Bengals could do it because a they're a six-point underdog which was the most absurd point spread I you know I shared my my, I never bet on the Bengals because I don't want to deal with the emotion of them losing and losing money. So I never, ever bet on the Bengals. But I did in this game just because the, the point spread was just ridiculous that this team was a six-point underdog. And to that point, uh, since the beginning of the 2021 season, the Bengals have been an underdog of two points or more, a total of 13 times, including this game against the Bills. They are 12-0-1 
against the spread, nine and four straight up. So they're just dominating teams when they're the underdog. And then obviously, uh, you know, Joe Mixon's still tweeting about the, the neutral site game and, and uh, the NFL already selling tickets. That angered the Bengals. And the coin toss with the Ravens and the playoff angered the Bengals. The fact that they didn't get a neutral site game with the Bills angered the Bengals. So you just have this team that's defending AFC champs that are six-point underdog, and you put all these chips on their shoulder that they were going to come out angry, and they came out angry. And then their post-game interviews, you know, they were letting it all out. Joe Burrow's you better go get your refund comment was so ice cold and perfect that it was just like, oh, my God, this whole team – is amazing. So I, I I do think they are better than last year. I think they have more confidence than yep. last year, the more talented than last year. And last year it was kind of you felt like Cinderella. This year they feel like they're uh they're they're the final boss. They're the team to beat, even though nobody else seems to think that. Um, I can't believe Joe Burrow was only sacked one time. Josh Allen was only sacked once, but he felt like he was running for his life. And again, I don't know how that elbow is. If we find out he has elbow surgery in two weeks, that wouldn't surprise me. But Breach, let me ask you, who is your MVP on the defensive side of the ball? And I have some names for you. Cam Taylor Britt, my guy Mike Hilton, former Steeler, Trey Hendrickson, or someone else that you want to put in there? DJ Hill. DJ Reader had a fantastic game. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line always should get a lot of credit. But if we want to just go outside, I'll go Mike Hilton because, look, they – the Bengals had some depth problems at defensive back. They were going to need Cam Taylor Britt to come in uh, and uh, Dax Hill and Mike Hilton. And these guys are going to be playing a lot of snaps. And I mean, that hit Mike Hilton put on Josh Allen. It should have iced the game, but the guy was rolled a fumble on the field, overturned, ruled an incomplete pass. But whatever, they ended up, uh, it, it's still a huge hit on Josh Allen. It's still big. I think Hilton had the most tackles. He was everywhere. And that's exactly, I mean, TJ Watt was on Twitter cheering for Mike Hilton. And I know he's next Steeler, but you never see Steelers players cheering for Bengals players. That is how well Mike Hilton was playing this game. So yeah, I mean, you could literally give just the game ball to everybody in the entire Bengals defense because I mean, they all brought their A game. Eli Apple deserves some credit too. I think so. Eli Apple. I mean, he was, did you see him smoking a cigar at the postgame press conference or his postgame at the locker room? He's like, every time someone asks him a question, he just rip a huge thing on the cigar, blow it out and be like, we're the best defense in the world. We were dominant. We're, we're elite. Look, the Bengals' defense has been sneaky good for two years now. Lou Anarumo does a fantastic job with this unit. That, that People talk about Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, and I get it. You know, they are matched up. I mean, to, you know, totally fair. But the defense and the job that Lou Anarumo has done against the Chiefs has been a difference maker in terms of how well this team has played against Kansas City. By the way, Breach, this game could have been even worse. I'm looking back through my notes here. Uh, your MVP, Mike Hilton, uh, had that corner, corner blitz 10 minutes into the fourth quarter. That uh, looked like a fumble. For some reason, it wasn't a fumble. Hendrickson recovers, so they will get the ball there. And then early in the game, in the first half, when um, Jamar Chase was inches close to catching that touchdown in the back of the end zone, it was actually a great play by Matt Milano. I think it was the right call, even though people were angry about it. But that could have made it 21-7 to instead of 17-7, to and it, the route could have been on. The Bills were out of timeouts with seven minutes to go. That's how out of hand things were for that team. Uh, I'll just say real quick on the Chase thing, because that was a huge – Thing at the time, obviously, when that touchdown got overturned because it came on third and 10 or third and goal from the 10. And, you know, if you watch the replay, he there was a point when he fell down where the ball just wasn't in his hands and maybe he had it tucked in his arms in control of it. But, you know, I, I, it, I think the catch rule is dumb as it's written. Um, that they correctly applied it, even if I don't agree with how the rule is written. So, you know, the officials did what the officials do. And, you know, I, the Bengals teams of old, 
the non-Joe Burrow teams would have maybe melted under a bad call like that. But no, this team went out, forced the Bills to punt on their next possession, uh, took their field goal, and they're like, you know what? We'll go in halftime 17-7, and we're going to be thrilled. And one other thing on Josh Allen is that I thought if there was one throw that could have changed this game possibly, it was on Buffalo's first possession. He missed a wide open Stefan Diggs uh, way down the field. He overthrew him. And if he hits that and Diggs scores a touchdown, maybe this is a completely different game. But instead, they go three and out. They punt. The Bengals score in the next possession. It's 14 nothing, And that's when it felt. I mean, I, I wasn't in celebration mode because it's a playoff game and anything can happen. But it really felt like, man, there is no way the Bengals are blowing a 14 nothing lead. They look too good. As a innocent bystander, as someone with no interest in the game in terms of who won, I knew that the game was over. It felt like it after the first two series. So you mentioned that drop early in the game, Breach. Uh, in the third, just late in the third quarter, 11 seconds to go, um, Cam Taylor Britt, who I didn't love coming out. I thought he was a little stiff, but he has been balling out. Shout out to him for, for playing well and, and the Bengals for taking him in the second round. But typically when guys get beat, they just tackle the receiver down the field. Gabe Davis had the ball, hit his hands. He should have caught it. And you could see Cam Taylor Britt wait because he knew the ball was coming. He looked into his eyes. I think that's what you coach him to do. And as soon as the ball got there, he just, you know, basically punched him in the, uh, where the ball was supposed to be. For one of the best pass breakups that I've seen over the course of this playoffs, maybe over the course of the last few months, that was a great play, especially for a rookie cornerback who typically you would expect them just to – because Trey Davis, uh, Trey White got called for at least two DPIs. And you could say they were ticky-tack or not, but the difference between that and the way uh, Taylor Britt played was that he was patient, and that play in particular stood out to me in terms of – because it was only 20 – it was 24 to 10 there. Then the ball was going to be down deep in the, the, uh, the Bengals' territory at the end of the third quarter, and they score there, it could be a, t- a different ball game. Yeah, if they score there, it's 24-17, and you have a one-score game going in the fourth quarter, so it's absolutely a different game. And then also, like the Stefan Diggs play, that came on third down, and since the, the catch didn't happen, you had a three and out, and then, boom, the Bengals score on the next drive, they get a field goal and make it a three-score game, and at that point, that's when... Uh, even though I wouldn't say it in Slack, as Billy will will gleefully <laughs> point well, out, that that's when it was over. Even though I wasn't willing to say it was over until there were zero seconds left on the, the clock. Bills have kicked there when they were down seventeen. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't know. You kind of cut it to two scores. You give yourself. It feels like you give yourself more of a fighting chance. Yes, they the should have. That was the Ben Bot said. Um, Breach, you think they should? I was fine if they had, but the Ben Bot. If you're said, down three scores and you have to have a field goal at some point, and yeah. it's fourth down, just take the field goal because if you don't get it, the game's over. So. Do you want the game to be over or do you want to try a 33-yard field goal that has a, a 95% success rate uh, or do you want to go for it on fourth and six, which does not have a 95% success I'll rate? I'll tell you exactly so, what the success rate is according to the Ben Bot. Uh, success rate for going for it on fourth and six from the 16 yards. Sorry, yard line was 732 to go in the fourth quarter. 37%. Uh, the field goal attempt, obviously, 92%. The win percentage, if you succeed on going for it, is it, it goes from 3% to 5%. And on the field goal temp, attempt, it goes from it remains at about two percent. So I think the I get it. I, I'm fine. I, I don't care. Had they kicked there, I'd have been fine with it. But I think the at that point in the game, down that many, you're basically SOL. I think is the sort of the takeaway from the math nerds. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah they were, I would they, rather be down two scores than three scores. I get I, it. I, I get that's it. my main point. Yeah, especially if you're like trying to tell your team like, hey, look, we got a shot here. You know, you and, and you got Allen and explosive weapons. I, I I understand. I mean, you know, it's not. It was that was not the issue. That was not the problem for the Bills. Was that was that playmaking decision? The Bills had bigger problems that they had to deal with than that. Um, Stephon Diggs, by the way, did, mentioned that he stormed out the locker room, and then uh, Duke Johnson when he got it brought it back. Obviously, we all knew Duke Johnson was on the Bills. 
Um, he was going home. He was cold. Uh, Victor Garcia just asked about uh, Stefan. Is Duke Johnson on the Bills? Outfit. Yeah, that that uh, I don't. Uh, it looked like it was a was it a Santa Claus mask? I don't know what it was. It looked like a mop with the uh, face cut out, so you could see while you're where you're walking. He was inactive, I guess. He was on the Bills, but um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know, man. That's a weird scene. The Bills. I think yeah, just a really disappointing season for the Bills. For the Bengals, you know, you live to fight another day, and you got the uh, the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Hey, Breach, let me ask you quickly. Ryan Adams in the comments asks, "Is Joe Burrow better than Josh Allen?" Uh, you know what's funny? So, uh, me and our managing editor Audie is—he's a Bengals fan, and so we see this is going to. I think Burrow is a top two quarterback in the NFL. I think it's him. I take him first, and Patrick Mahomes. Oh, not Kenny Pickett. All right. Fair enough. And, sorry, sorry, Wilson. And so, you know, the, the debate six months ago or going into the season was Justin Herbert's better than Joe Burrow, which, I, you know, I've never believed. I've never thought. I think that, look, Burrow's been to a Super Bowl and he just comes up clutch all the time. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what Stefan Diggs is wearing. Uh, and if you're listening on audio, you should go on YouTube just so you can see what he's wearing. And so, you know, and it's look. Joe Burrow's come up in bigger and bigger situations uh, than Josh Allen has. And one thing I wrote in my picks column this past week where I picked the Bengals uh, was that Joe Burrow is 7-0 now in the month of January. He has mm. never lost a game in the month of January as a starter in his NFL career. Uh, if you're winning in January, you're doing pretty well for yourself in the NFL. And then you look at their fourth quarter. Yeah, in January in his college career, too. Uh, yeah, that's true because the national title game. Uh, and so you look at what they did in the fourth quarter this year and, and Joe Burrow was a much, much better quarterback in the fourth quarter. And let's not forget Josh Allen led the NFL in turnovers, uh, during the regular season with 22. So I would say yes, that I would take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen. I mean, it's hard to argue. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, as Breach mentioned, you can see what Stefan Dix was wearing his little toboggan ski mask thing maybe he was yelling at josh allen because it apparently cost 530 dollars from burberry and he was asking for some money because that's an, an insane amount of money to pay for something to put on your head not to not to be cold well i mean a famous rapper kind of i mean I, he's not that famous but the rapper's poo shiesty it's a poo shiesty mask that's why you see a lot of people wearing these ski masks and all all inclement type of weather so i mean people are wearing these types of masks even in hot 90 degree 100 degree weather it's just that's, a that's just stupid that's I mean, it's wrong. weird. I agree. I, I agree it's weird, but that is the... Let's get to the AFC and NFC Championship. Billy needs to start a fashion podcast. Yeah. No, I'm be on it, Billy. I'm not Can you be on The San Francisco 49ers, my, uh, the, excuse me, the Eagles are minus two against the 49ers, total 45 and a half, and the Bengals minus one against, excuse me, the, the Chiefs minus one against the Bengals over to 47 and a half. I think the more interesting one is Cincinnati and KC because... Um, it opened at KC minus three, got immediately bet down, like quickly. Then it got bet through the through zero. The Bengals are briefly favored by one, and then it came back and it settled in at KC minus one. I think it's a you know fairly sharp line. Mm. Burrow's three zero against Mahomes. It it look this game is all going to depend on whether or not Patrick Mahomes is capable of being Patrick Mahomes with his high ankle sprain. Tony Romo said on the broadcast, the Bengals and Bills broadcast, that he had a high ankle sprain. He played through it on the same day that he got the ankle sprain. And then later throughout the week, it, it began to like bother him more and more and more. So, you know, like I think Mahomes will play. He said he's going to play. It's a conference championship game. You can't see him sitting out and letting Chad Henney play against the Bengals and, and hoping that the Chiefs can hold on. Um, 
but I, I do think he'll be limited. Like we've seen in the playoffs, Mahomes wins because he runs the ball, he gets out of the pocket, he creates and extends plays, especially on third down, and it may, like, he picks up these back-breaking third downs. Now, should the Bengals be favored? I don't know, but I think if you like the Bengals, or if you like the Bengals in like a teaser, like you want to move the Bengals up, you know, you, you'd have to do, um, you know, seven point. You would want to do a seven point teaser. The juice is more expensive because you have to move it. You want to move it through the seven, right? You don't want to make a plus seven in case it lands there. Um, you should do it now because if Patrick Mahomes isn't practicing, or we don't see him, or the like, he's listed as like doubtful. And again, I think he's going to play, but that will cause the line likely to move closer to a pick. So now would be probably the time to bet the Bengals, unless you want to like try to you know play chicken with it and see whether or not the Bengals. Um, or whether or not Mahomes is, is cleared and then the Chiefs, you know, book on like a three-point favorite or something. But I think I think one is, I think one's pretty good. Here's what I'm gonna say about this game is that the uh national experts and people who make picks for a living, uh I, I feel like they're gonna spend the whole week. Their main talking point is gonna be uh there's no way the Bengals can beat the Chiefs four straight times. Andy Reid's too smart, Patrick Mahomes is too good, and they're gonna just talk yourselves in circles and convince yourself to pick the Chiefs. Don't fall for it. This is a way better Bengals team than last year. Patrick Mahomes was 100% healthy in the past three games where they played, and the Bengals won all three of them. Now they get a Patrick Mahomes who, at best, will maybe be 85%, maybe 70%, but there's no way he's going to be 100%. And a a beat-up Mahomes going against a Bengals defense that absolutely shut down Josh Allen, who was completely mobile, uh, would be very surprised. Like, I... I feel better about the Chiefs game than I do about the Bills game. I will tell you that. And that doesn't mean they're going to win. Anything can happen in the playoffs. But this is a very, very good Bengals team. I would would push back. that I think the narrative should be about Mahomes' ankle. The what? The question is, is, will the Bengals feel disrespected by the fact that no one's going to be talking about the Bengals? Or will they be disrespected that they're an underdog against a team they've beaten three straight times who's starting a quarterback who has a high sprained ankle? Breach, That's where what? was your heart when Shaq Lawson went low on Joe Burrow? Oh, God. Oh, my God. I, in, your, in, your, in your throat. I had to cover my eyes because I couldn't watch the replay because <laughs> I didn't want to know. And then you see, you know, Joe's limping around for about, uh, what, 10, 15 seconds. And it, yeah. especially after watching what happened to Patrick Mahomes, it was like, Oh my God, it's going to be Brandon Allen versus Chad Henney in the AFC <laughs> title game next week. And that's only if the Bengals can even hold on in this game because who knows? We have a backup quarterback out there. So yeah, it, my heart sank. After uh, the game, I don't know if you were already celebrating with no clothes on, but Shaq Lawson and, and Joe Burrow hugged and Shaq actually said, my bad. Like he didn't mean to, to tackle him low or they have, a, I'm sure they have a history. Seemed like they knew each other. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. And Romo also said, Brinson sort of pointed at it, pointed out, he said, there's no certainty that Mahomes actually plays either, which I thought was interesting, um, which to Breach's point means that he could be 75%, maybe best case. So I don't know, man, this is going to be, this is going to be a, a tall hill to climb for, for the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs will use like the old school Rodney Harrison slash Bill Belichick slash New England Patriots motivation from the early 2000s when no one thought they were terrible and everyone thought they were going to win and still try to convince themselves that people think they're terrible as, as a way to motivate themselves. It's going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to parlay the Bengals and the uh, Niners and I'm going to tease the Bengals and the Niners as well. Money line and and the tease there. I like, I like both of those. And and by the way, I will say this is uh, just the third time we've gotten an AFC championship game rematch over the past 35 years. Uh, Do you guys want to know the last time it happened or do you know? Last two uh, times. An AFC championship game rematch? AFC championship game rematch. Um, 
was it not was it Mahomes and Brady? Nope. They only played once. Oh, okay. Who is it? I don't the, know. Patriots, Ravens, 2011, oh. 2012. And then before that, the last championship game rematch was 1986-1987. Browns, Broncos. Yeah. And of course, the Broncos won both of those because they uh Browns have never been to a Super Bowl. There's no one on, on planet Earth who believes that the Broncos were the Browns. Were and the as that stat says, Bengals, if you're watching on YouTube, Bengals 3-0 all time in AFC championship games. That is, they are the only team in the AFC that is undefeated in AFC championship games. Um, by the way, the uh I see that Circa has uh, Circa's legal, I say that. Uh Circa has Eagles minus two and a half and Chiefs minus one and a half now. So maybe that moves a little bit that way. Um somebody in the chat says, hedge your Super Bowl, you dummy. No, we don't hedge. We lean in. We go Joey T and, and, and load more on the Bengals. I don't care who comes out of the NFC. I just want that team. I, just, I want the I think I want the Eagles to win financially. I want the Bengals to win because I picked I said I said Bengals San Francisco before the playoffs started and before uh last weekend. So I will take that. You know, I will say one thing about what the potential Super Bowl matchups potential. could end up being is that we really could see uh kind of a repeat of one of the last two years where two years ago we had Mahomes battling turf toe. He wasn't very mobile and he just got beat up by the Buccaneers defense. Or we could see a rematch of last year where the Bengals offensive line got just overpowered by a very strong defense, which Eagles and Pointers both have a strong defense. Uh, and so th- that certainly could happen if uh, with either of those teams. I think it's noteworthy. We didn't talk a lot about it. Um, Brinson mentioned Hill. I mentioned DJ Reader. Uh, they were getting home with four guys consistently. Deion Dawkins had a very tough afternoon, and no disrespect to him, but, I mean, that's just reality of it. So I don't know if the Bills' offensive line is any better or worse than the Chiefs. I, I imagine they're probably similarly ranked. Um, I haven't started them closely, but my overall point is that if you're still just rushing four guys and having Lou Anaruma blitzing guys from, from places that people don't expect, and Josh Allen, you know, he ain't Brock Purdy out there. He's been playing for a while, and even he seemed to be fooled at times uh, and took a ton of hits as a result. I mean, that might be the, the great neutralizer, especially if Patrick Mahomes has to play on one leg. If Mahomes can't run, this is gonna be it's a tough ask for the Chiefs. I mean, the, the well, Chiefs are still really good. It's just Mahomes' mobility, particularly in the playoffs, has been a difference maker for the last five years because you get them into third and any like third and anything, and he just extends the play, runs for the first down, or like you know, makes a crazy pass. Like it is the one of the biggest different difference makers in the NFL. Yeah, and the other part of this with the Mahomes thing is that he, the offensive line played so well in the second half against Jacksonville with his beat-up ankle. They weren't really able to get any pressure. And if you're the Bengals, if you're a Bengals fan, the thing you're worrying about this week in Kansas City is that, look, the Bills didn't have a great pass rush after Von Miller went down. That just is what happened. They had trouble getting after the passer. Joe Burrow had all day to throw. He wasn't getting hit. But now you're going against Chris Jones. You're going against a much better Chiefs defensive line that might be able to take advantage of the fact uh, the, the Bengals are down a few offensive linemen, but man, the offensive line looked fantastic considering the circumstances, not even considering the circumstance. I mean, they just look fantastic overall. Uh, let me point out quickly because people in the comments um, may pointed out that the chiefs line is, is better than the bills. I just checked the advanced stats for football outsiders. The chiefs are fifth in terms of uh, pass protection, that offensive line and the bills are actually seventh. And some of that obviously has to do with the quarterback's mobility for both teams uh, in terms of um, running the ball, the, the, Bills are actually better, which is sort of surprising. But um, all right. So I, I don't think there's a huge. There, it's going to be two great games. That's I mean, that's about huge line. gaping sca- chasm between the two offensive yeah. lines. But the, the point remains. Also, update here. Bad news for me because I my only team remaining in the in the Super Bowl pool are the Chiefs. My quarterback's all banged up. 
Breach has one team left. His Bengals. Yeah, guess who it is? Yeah. No, I didn't take the Bengals now. God, I'd have, I'd have, oh. Yeah, you would have Psych it. Psych you out, Brenton. Psych <laughs> you out. Brenton has the Eagles remaining, and that's it. And Caleb, by virtue of Breach's Bengals winning, is now down only to the 49ers. And the duration is a stinky cologne. Last year when we did this, uh, me and Brinson were the only people who had teams left in the conference finals. So it was like Wilson and, three or four and you had one. Yeah, now right. And Wilson one. and the listener were out this year. We all have one team left, which is really kind of crazy. Very interesting. All right. That's it for the division round. A little disappointing this weekend. That's okay. Uh, conference championship weekend sets up to be really, really good. Two short lines Two. Robert Thomas in the comments asked about bowl takes. That comes Tuesday afternoon. So don't yeah, miss we'll it. We'll do it on Tuesday. That's right. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching for Breach. Congrats to your Bengals Breach. For Wilson, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later. Good day. Good day. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.